Man, I tell you, I just love when I hear those songs by surprise. Whether I'm I'm out working, whatever it might be. I've spent so many fun little, and it's kind of a rush because I usually do it before I'm heading out of the house. These fun little 20, 30 minute patches where I go on to Spotify, I build me a playlist uh, for that day or getting ready to take a trip, whatever it might be. And I love, sometimes I'll go to somebody else's playlist or Spotify will recommend things that are... the favorites of people who listen to that kind of music and that's you know the next thing they would choose it's amazing how much music between different hard drives and things that I've had over the course of time that I've just listened to so many of the same things over and over again I never get to the the newest album of Manchester Orchestra has a brand new I think it's called Two Revisited and I've added it on my Spotify, but I'm not taking the time to listen to it yet. I'm too busy playing that song, playing Twisted Sister on <laughs> on replay throughout my shift at night at work. And it's a great little uh, defiance or, or motivational kind of song. I love the work that I do, but certain things that you have going on personally or professionally uh, can lead you down a path of where you want to fight song. And uh, that's one of them that I like to go to. So, I welcome you to another edition of, of Michael L. Craver Presents, wherever you're listening from, hopefully somewhere comfortable. I know that I spent most of my days off just enjoying how quiet it is. Now, for Thanksgiving, I took a trip, but... I, Stayed around the house this weekend. A little bit of sitting in the tub. You get the scrub and all that stuff going on when you're doing a little bit of self-care. So I, I think it's been a wonderful variety of things that I've been able to go through over the last nine months or so being single. And you you run into these what I call point of no return situations where family-wise, relationship-wise, I can tell you that um, I will glance over that someone close to me has some neurological things going on. And I listened to a little bit of that over Thanksgiving. Not fun to think that uh, somebody could be in a position where their mind is beginning to suffer some system failure and there's no way to reverse those you know that's some things that happen to us in life we want to stop the you know you want to stop the aging process if you could reverse it you would right but you're just trying to slow it down that can happen in your mind too and people run into these situations where your things are not what they seem or it's not the way it used to be and you know the best we can hope for is to maintain as opposed to rebuilding And I run into these situations where I, well, 
sometimes it's work-wise and sometimes it's relationship-wise. You have these conversations with people that I would refer to as having a point of no return where somebody brings something up that I'm not going to let go or it, it can't not be addressed in my world. And so I run up against where you're fighting to tell the truth and to be accurate. But because other people can have a difference of opinion, they may not believe the same things. They may not need to know that stuff. Maybe they want to be wrong. That happens. People are stubborn. I'm aware that many of those times when I begin going down that road, it's a flip of the coin whether or not they're going to have the ability to get past this moment in time. Whether we're going to run up against having to sever our communication. I don't look at it as something that has to be done. That's certainly not an option I tend to practice. But I would tell you that in my travels, and a lot of them being through cyberspace or digitally, so um, I've run up against a great number of circumstances where somebody tells me that they have a red flag, a green flag, a deal breaker. And I would like to know why. There was a girl I dated who would tell me that something wasn't good fit for her. She wasn't comfortable with things. But she... Whether you think it's right or wrong, she would step back and say, that's how I feel. And that is a popular way to get caught up in things, to say I feel a certain way about a situation that is in conflict with the empirical evidence around us. It's easy to pick something like Flat Earth or Bigfoot or otherwise, right? You go to a conspiracy theory. Well, you believe these things, but we can't substantiate them. And that's different. But if you truly believe, you know, this is the guy who's going to represent you the best, you're voting that way. I would tell you that's... A a personal choice. We got sideways, what would be, uh, over clothing. I was picking out a nice jacket. Really liked it. Caught my eye. Color caught my eye. Banana Republic. So it's a good brand, as far as I'm concerned. Evan Williams hit the spot, buddy. So I'm in Banana Republic, find this jacket. It was 
a significant discount because it was an outlet store. Said to her, what do you think of the jacket? So it's a blue corduroy kind of material. Very deep blue. Brown neck that folds up and down. So it's, it's got like a weather collar to it. But it would be the Banana Republic equivalent of, let's say, a, a Levi's denim jacket. So it's a nice little corduroy version. It's got pockets on the front, breast pockets. Has this Sherling or Sherpa kind of material inside to keep it warm. Oh, man, I'm digging this thing. It's $52. Hey, what do you think? What do you think? And I've already begun to send a picture to, to my my mother. Always was, was looking for you know something for my stepdad. I thought it was a great equivalent to something he might enjoy. I know he enjoys sometimes having corduroy pants or things of that nature. So... I don't invest in a lot of this stuff you go out in public. I just don't want to pay prices at the department stores. But I see this, and I consider it a deal. And I've mentioned it to her. What do you think? What do you think? She says, um, I don't know. How about the gray one? Some people, very big on having you know their favorite color. Well, that's their preference. But for me, it wasn't about being able to swap out the design. I didn't pick the the jacket for the design. And I got sideways with her right there in the moment. It it did feel like a point of no return because I I said, look, I don't own anything gray because... It's always been programmed in me that you take those uh, mad libs kind of mood or psychological tests and they say, you know, you're walking through the woods, tell me about the river. And you write it down and supposedly this indicates that indicates the other, right? So if you say it's muddy waters, then you have a, it doesn't mean you have a dirty mind, but (laughs) the water is muddy. So you're not in a place of serenity and peace the same as the guy who's got the crystal blue water. Or if you're walking through the woods and you don't describe running into a stream, you probably are a person who feels like they don't have a lot of hope and things of that nature. These are these psychological uh, kind of experiences ingrained in me because I've participated. I don't know that any of those are absolutely true. But that's been my experience, right? That is the memory that is ingrained into my mind. So when you tell me, oh, it's gray. Well, okay, it's not a... But I will tell you that it's not a vibrant color. And I've had this conversation with several different people about How if you're going to dress or you own your own business or otherwise you pick a color. Like when you're looking around, you see the big box store colors or otherwise. They have a popping color, an orange, a blue, a yellow, otherwise. Because it catches your eye. The primary colors. 
And you get farther and farther away from that, and you reach, you know, a gray, you know. And it's just, it is, it's just very mellow to me. And if ladies are a big, yeah, I love the gray sweatpants. Well, that's its own taboo kind of thing, or, you know, sexualized kind of thing. A thong is not built for comfort, so to speak. So, we have this discussion about this jacket. She says, I don't know why you asked for my opinion. I didn't know you were going to say grade. And it goes sideways to the point that I am now judging her X, Y, Z. And I said, I'm, in no way, shape, or form do I care that you prefer gray. Now I know what color I would buy you. I am telling you. That's what I think of. That's what it goes right to in my brain. That's what I relate to. We had been in a car ride home sometime later when I said, you know, I just want to cross this one more time with you because I don't think our minds work the same way. I choose a piece of clothing first like the the highest priority, the most value is given to the color. And then if I like the color, I will begin to scrutinize whether the design backs up a, a color choice and then I might make a purchase. Okay? So when you tell me you would like a shirt, and this is a common thing that I've run into with the ladies. Really like this shirt? I'm going to buy it in every color. Okay. Th- that is how... You mentally process those things. And your association is perhaps with the pattern rather than the color. That's not true for me. I bought it color first, highest priority. That's a deal breaker. So if I'm not buying that color, I'm not buying that jacket. I would perhaps have bought that jacket in another color that I liked. Maybe. I didn't really think about it a lot, but I'm a vibrant, you know, I'd rather have it in a, if it's going to be corduroy and it's going to be like that, probably blue. I don't know that I would have bought it any other way. I don't like the way that the brown reminds me of Teddy Ruxpin or whatever that would be like a, I could, almost like a corny, traditional, classic, whatever brown and corduroy together to me doesn't scream anything but like an assembly line right corduroy's automatically those colors it's not really the other so I like having something that kind of mixes style into it and, and I'm, I'm drawn more more to blue probably than other colors Anyway, that's what I saw. If I'd have seen one that had been... I I can't think of a different color that I would have bought. But I own, for instance, like a red uh, Eddie Bauer. I'm sure there's a name for it, but it's got the series of ribbed... Like almost bubbles down it, right? It's got those lines of the the like ribbed Eddie Bauer jacket. 
And they were on sale for like 30 bucks or something on that eBay website. And I was like, oh, it's, it's on sale and it's in red. Buying the red. Wouldn't have bought it in a different color. For whatever reason, I like that design and that color and that only. And between me and, and the lady, we had completely different experiences based around our decision-making process. I was a big fan of the color, so I examined whether the style would fit me. It did not occur to her that the color was a deal-breaker to me. And so I was trying to address this with her on the way home, and she just kind of disregarded it. Like, no, no, you're being judgmental, and you're being... And I thought, well, now we're now we're really in two different places because I'm trying to lay out a thought process that I have. That's how my my mind works. Yours seems to approach it from I would just say a different angle. And I don't think there's anything that's it's not a judgmental thing. Not what I would describe as judgmental, or that I'm scrutinizing you, or your color's inferior, or whatever that might be. I associate the color with that. You may associate the color with something different. I, I don't think there's a law of nature that says anything that's gray is bad. I mean, there's, you know, we, we, people really love silver, and I do own a lot of stuff that's, that's of a silver nature, metallic-wise, but I just, that's how I'm programmed. You know, it, it's, my skill set fits these kinds of jobs, or... You know, my car will only drive on this limitation of terrains. And it's everything with me, you know, and it's my show here, right? It's Michael Lil Creeper Prison. Is is process driven. It's why I excel in things like logistics or team building or otherwise. I like to listen to everybody around me. And then come up with something that is, and it is more of a statistical kind of thing. What would be the most comfortable within a proximity of the goal we have to reach, right? So some people are just going to fall outside of what is a reasonable approach to solving a problem. Because I can't, well, I am referring to something where I can't change the goal that we're trying to reach. So if your solution is outside of, you know, it would take that much longer, or these, this many more resources, it wouldn't be cost efficient or whatever, then I have to acknowledge the goal we're trying to reach first. And then if we can't reach the goal, I have to throw your solution out the window. And I can tell you why, and I can explain it to you. And that's not a judgmental thing. It's a limitation within... The system that we have. You would like to be able to work on my team. Well, a tremendous amount of jobs out there have a 25 pounds seems to be the most common thing, right? Must be able to bend, loose, um, bend, bend, lift, stoop, twist, whatever, you know, motions with 25 pounds. Well, if you can't lift 25 pounds, you don't meet the minimum requirements. So if you can't get this done in this time frame, you don't meet the minimum requirements, right? If you 
can't score 70 or above in this class. You don't meet the minimum requirements. And in my exchange with the young lady over the jacket, I didn't feel like she met the minimum requirements, which was I only am willing to accept the color. And it's that simple. I didn't think it was like it was complicated. It didn't have to go one way or the other. She didn't have to wear the jacket. If she's seen with me, she might say, don't wear that around me. But does it need to be a point of no return? The objective way that somebody might approach me is to say, Michael, no, why can't you change the color of the jacket? It's my money. That's how I want to spend it. That is my opinion, and that's not judgmental or otherwise. It's what I find to be the most aesthetically pleasing or gives me the greatest experience out of um, picking out a piece of clothing that I am wearing, and perhaps I feel like it better represents me, or at least my taste. So, I don't know that anybody is right or wrong in the situation. This is her preference. This is my preference. But in trying to have a conversation about the mental process involved so that I can tell you where I'm coming from, it has nothing to do with disregarding that you prefer gray. I, the, this is a deal breaker for me. It Just as much as if we're trying, you know, let's say me and, and someone want a date. And you have this... Now, let's say you have a drug habit, a gambling habit. It doesn't have to be something that's taboo like that, does it? Maybe you just like to acquire things. You like to spend your money. You appreciate shopping more than others. If you are not through addiction, but just voluntarily, and many people would say addiction is not voluntary, but let's say whatever means, and let's just say it's, it has nothing to do with substance abuse or otherwise what we would consider criminal and, and those sort of that you just like spending money. You have a habit of, of running out of money. Overspending. Running up your credit cards. You're carrying over a balance the next month. You're always paying interest. You're going farther and farther into debt. And I tell you that I don't want to live like that. That doesn't mean that I'm a bad guy for wanting to be sustainable. It doesn't mean that the person who says You know, maybe we should clean up the environment a little bit and and have a balance is being some kind of an asshole. I don't think that we have regulations and the you know the carbon tax that they're discussing or the EPA or any other of the many, many, many systems that we have in place, whether it's you go into a restaurant and you want it to have a decent health score. That's the same system that is trying to tell you. Don't put too many carcinogens in the air. It's not complicated. And it's a matter of degree. Jim Cornette has an old saying that if you talk to a woman and you say, Hey, would you sleep with me if I give you a million dollars? And she's like, oh, of course. And he says, all right, well, what if I give you five dollars? And she's like, what do you think I am? And he said, well, Anthony, cue this up. Uh, what do you think I am? I said, we've already established that. We're just haggling over price. So, 
is it wrong to regulate anything having to do with health? If you don't think so, there's a system in place that's constantly changing. And if you think that you shouldn't regulate anything having to do with health, then we should let a lot of people out of prisons for having what would you would consider to be now substances that shouldn't be controlled. They shouldn't be policed. They should not be criminalized. Every substance, right? Right. Shouldn't be any HIPAA laws for discretion or privacy or anything else. Everything should be open for them, for everybody to know. Because once you believe in some right to privacy, it's a matter of degree as to whether or not you think the things that are private are the most important and remain private. Or whether a court of law or civil court or otherwise would agree with you should some kind of dispute arise. We take a tremendous amount of things to some third party or, you know, an auditor. I guess the the popular term would be arbitration if you have a discrepancy with your employment or otherwise. And so there's not, you, you could go to a marriage counselor or otherwise, but I've always looked at it like if I'm having some kind of a conversation with someone, the hope is that I can explain my process to you you can explain your process to me and we will accept one another for how we operate and sometimes those two things can't be integrated and i'm using a lot of pun technology technological kind of references here but sometimes those two things can't be integrated they can't work together they're not compatible and and that's something we have to consider we're not going to get along with every other human being. As much as you may find the other person attractive or you have an intimate relationship or otherwise, your decision-making processes could be that point of no return, that deal-breaker. And I don't know that that's a shame or anything else. It's just a matter of tolerance. If you can get along with one another, even though you make completely different decisions in any given situation, if you can still coexist and have, you know, a sustainable household, I can't tell you that you're not still going to have a fruitful or maybe even a happy relationship, marriage or otherwise. Because at the end of the day, you could do things completely differently than me and we're drastically, uh, we're starkly different individuals. But we love each other. We believe in each other's ability and the world's ability to be able to pro- to have a space for both of us. And so we still want to pursue our, our chemistry, our attraction to each other as difficult as it might be to sit down and make a decision together. It doesn't, with enough respect for, for you to be doing things in your space and me to do mine, there's no reason that you can't have a relationship with almost anybody. It doesn't have to be a point of no return. But just like I've I've said when it comes to, you know, things of, you know, changing genders and everything else, apply the word acceptance into this. Do you accept the other person for what they, okay, can you live with it? Yeah. Is it going to wreck your life? Is it going to 
turn your happiness into a sour place. Now you have to have a conversation with yourself and with the other person. Because you don't want to live a better existence. But if you have acceptance between the two of you, then coexist. I'm not telling you that you can't break up with people and every everything is salvageable. But there's too many things. You know, the divorce rate and the, especially the failure of relationships is that this... you know, statistically all-time high score, that people don't stop to think and go, wow, maybe I'm asking too much or I'm too hard or I'm not flexible enough. Oh, I'm going to get what I want. I can get what I want. Can you? Is that what happens? Everything in your pantry is exactly how you would design it. Every piece of clothing you have is the most comfortable. It lasts forever. There's no flaws. Your car performs exactly as you want. You never run into any maintenance issues unexpectedly or otherwise. Is that how the world is? It's not. And neither is any relationship. Things come out of the blue. Whether it's a health issue, a mood issue, a a menstrual cycle, or whatever it might be, that things can become unpredictable. And that's fine because that's how the world works. If we could forecast everything, it would get pretty boring. And I don't have any problem with (laughs) changing tides. That doesn't bother me. You know, I'm immaculately capable of working with any variety of different folks professionally and especially personally. And when I've had conversations with people about, you know, dating or otherwise, it's it's come across to me in this very strange fashion because they're not transparent. People will cut off communication just like that, right? Don't say anything. They just go, and then now you don't have any exit interview, the debriefing, the feedback, the whatever. It's like, oh my God, they disappeared. Must be their problem. Well, why isn't it their problem? They didn't discuss with me why it could be my problem. So... I'm not quite sure how it's my responsibility that you cowardly ran away in silence. You call it something else and go, oh, that's not right. You shouldn't be able to say that. No, I I obviously can't say that. They stopped the conversation. Now I can describe it any way I want. And they may not be able to speak for themselves. However, the opportunity exists. They are... Exercising the right to remain silent. And maybe that's self-incrimination. Maybe it's not. But we're not going to hear their side of the story. Because. What's that song by Monsters and Men? Oh, Yellowtail. Yeah. So. If you choose to run. And it's that's a fight or flight thing. Make no mistake about it. If you are looking at it some other way and saying, well, that's somebody's choice. They don't have to speak to somebody. and They don't have to speak to anybody. You don't have to get in the game. You don't have to put anything on the line. You don't have to try to win. You can be complacent, sit in the crowd. You can ignore everything else that's going on. Spoke to somebody not terribly long ago who was doing very well, professionally, personally. You know, family was this way. And, you know, oh, I'm happy. I've been single or split up or divorced or otherwise, and it's just fabulous. 
great. But I'm going to tell you, as a person who has been single for a long time, when you run across possibilities, you start trying to daydream about what that means to your happiness, to your routine, your peace and quiet. Because though I work an intense job, I have, and I've talked about this ever since, right? I have a half the year off. I have three and a half days off in a row every week. Maybe more than half the year because some days, you know, like for Thanksgiving, we got off, you know, after three days and they gave us holiday pay. So, look, I am extremely available. But because I spend so much of my time where you, you hear it around me. I have the window open. I don't have no noise-canceling studio styrofoam on the wall reduction. It's just quiet around here. Except for when I decide to open my mouth. Do other people speak to me? Send me voice messages? Do I watch a lot of content? It's possible. It does happen. Not with, you know, it's not a scheduled routine or otherwise. I just enjoy it. I've done a lot of different furniture projects. I've had some tremendously hilarious moments at breakfast with my father, with my uncles. We love it. We love it. We wish we had been doing it for the past 20 years. I do it after I've been working for like you know 12 hours, 15 hours, after I've been up a tremendous amount of time, and I still enjoy that as much as anything in the world. And I'm not saying this to, to discourage a, a female pursuing a guy or otherwise out there, but you can't give me that level of like nostalgic and com- comedy and that recipe that they give me in terms of like just being in bliss is not something that a female can duplicate. There are certain things that happen with your favorite sports team, with your guys watching wrestling. You love the new Godzilla movie, whatever it is, that are going to hit you in a certain way. And it's a certain taste from a certain thing. When you're at a restaurant, there's no steak that's going to hit you the same way a dessert does. And they're just different. But there's great things that can come out of being in a relationship with someone else. Of the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever you prefer. And just enjoy your partnership with that person. Can it make you as happy? I'm sure the dopamine release could be on an equivocal level, it's not going to be the same recipe. You can't duplicate that. I've been around those people for 40 years. There's nothing you could do to duplicate it. When I lose any of them, there's nothing that will ever happen when I lose a, you know, someone who's not them that will come anywhere close. That's how it is. So, those people that you've been down that road with, that journey, and, and whether you're, you're having an introductory journey or someone you've been with a long time, it's difficult, I believe, difficult it, to not look at any self, uh, situation as being salvageable and finding this way through. I don't know why you, you need to have a point of no return. Oh, this is my deal breaker. This is my thing. Is it? Because you may never get this again. You may never be happy again. You may never have a partnership like that again. Oh, I can be on my own. 
well, as a person who does it that way, who enjoys all of this peace and quiet, and I'll go back to work. Is it? It's almost another twenty-four hours till I go back to work. I feel like I've been off for a week. Um, it's a shame to think that I'm at a point where I probably bring more to the table than I ever have or thought I would. And yet, I don't have anybody to share it with. And part of that is is my decision, and part of it has come from others. And um, I don't know any better way to explain it than to say that I have reached certain intersections, these points of no return. And I chose to, you know, do what I think would be true or the the way to handle it from me would be for me to say, um, that I am loyal to my processes and my way of life more so than... listening to someone else for their suggestion, which is not a bad thing to do. But in my uh, mental sort of matrix that I have, if your suggestion doesn't change the process that I have going on, then you won't change the preference that I have. So in order for me to agree with you or to, if you, if I was going to buy that gray jacket, I feel like it's a requirement, like there's no other way around it. I would have to have this change in the process itself to be able to select the gray jacket. Not just because you said so, but it needs to make sense to me. I have a tremendous respect for other people making their own choices. Oh, that's what works best for you. I don't know that I understand your process. But for me to agree with you, I need a way for my process to be compatible with your process. And it, that could be a, an Asperger's or, you know, some kind of spectrum or otherwise just hard-headed kind of thing. But it's where I'm coming from. And it's those are where my limitations are. Take a quick break and I'll uh, be right back. You have all the ingredients for this in your fridge. But ask yourself this. Of all the times you've made it at home, has it ever tasted like our McMuffin? always end up craving some kind of a flame grilled you know steak burger otherwise we have these great advertisers on the show as much as people will give you grief about mcdonald's i'm not morgan spurlock and i'm not gonna tell you to eat it for 30 days and scrutinize it there's some wonderful things on that menu whether or not you agree with the 
good, the bad, and the ugly of what you get in your bag, uh, I can tell you that I love nothing more. It's a throwback to when I was younger. They came out with the Arch Deluxe. And I thought, that I'm going to get one of those. And I, for whatever reason, there's a nostalgic kind of like, I'm going to grab one of those now, a days. But, you know, um, probably my favorite thing to do is go get a Big Mac or to use the app and, and get like, you know, the, they have all kinds of deals where you get free fries and stuff or a free large, fr- you know, I think it's free of any size. So free any size fry or uh, 20 piece with something. And I'll end up with entirely more food than I thought about. But it's... You know, for the savings you get, it's like, okay, well, I'll just hold on to this and, and eat it because I'm on third shift or whatever it might be. Uh, I've got time, and uh, it'll be good when I get to it. But uh, Yeah, I've. <laughs> it's interesting talking about drive throughs I was just thinking about how over the last month or so, I've had these dilemmas going on in my life between... Uh, work and living situations, driving, you know, this distance versus another. And it's a lot to consider. I had a company put an offer in front of me for a very healthy amount of money and a salary position. But that position is at least... 45 minutes each way without any traffic holding that number hostage. So it leads me down this path of (laughs) this very strange series of conversations that I've had with different family members uh, with my brother and about my brother, and and I love him to death. So if you hear this, he knows that I think the world of him. But handful of things have happened that there's some dollars involved, and he will <laughs> he, he he's not a wrestler with a catchphrase, and he doesn't exactly. He doesn't use the phrase the same way each time, but what he says means the same. He said to me, you know, money is no object. And I was like, this this man lost his mind. What's he talking about? Money is no object. But he means it. He's And I was speaking to my father about it, so I have a little more clarity about it. So we'll see if the, the people out there listening and Michael L. Craver Presents... territory agree with him or not so what his theory on this is is that time is your ultimate value so if it costs a few dollars to do something but it saves you time then money is no object because time is the priority so you pay for your time. You pay a little more for somebody to do something for you, and that gives you more time. You may pay you know, more for a good or service or otherwise, and that is the important part of it. It's getting done, and you almost you gain or it frees up your time. 
right? So that's an interesting take on things. And I looked at some of the, you know, because corporate recruiters reach out to, to me and, and different things. And when I've thought about my time in that aspect and said, well, wait a minute now. If I am making very comparable money now, and, and there's a lot of things at play, um, I can be generic enough to share this on the podcast. So I am... I was offered a position in, in this upper leadership salary XYZ. And it's salary, right? So it's a set amount of money. Whereas I've always worked paid by the hour because I don't have the same. I consider it to be an unreasonable work life balance when you do the salary position. And just the, the handful of factors here would be. Right now, I travel very little. I'm traveling 15 minutes a day to and from work. Very minimal. You start talking about traveling 90 minutes a day to work. That's six times more than what I do. That's almost, it is, it's a week's worth of travel because I'm only out on the road four days a week. Every day would be more than a week worth of travel. So that's time. You know, and if they give you more money, but you know, to put the maintenance, the gas into your car, stuff like that, it would maybe it would balance. But now you start going, hey, wait a minute, we got to start doing some math here. The money's the same, but we're adding this many miles to the car, this many dollars in maintenance, this much money in fuel. Time is involved as well. All right, the other side of it is if you work. X number of hours in my job. If I work forty-eight hours, I would make more than ten percent higher than the salary they're offering me. My current base salary is actually lower, or my current base, you know, prediction for the year. If you work forty hours a week, is lower. You work forty hours. If you're out there and you work forty hours at ten dollars an hour. All right, you multiply that out. And you say, all right, 10 times 2,080, right? Because $10 an hour, 40 hours a week is 400 bucks. And then you multiply that times 52 weeks out of the year. So you got 400 bucks times, so you got uh, 20,000 and then four times 80 would be another, what, 3,200 or something. So you're looking at 20,320 bucks or $23,200. If you make $10 an hour. Now, if I told you that I was going to offer you $14,000 on salary, but you got to work 50 hours, you might look at me and go, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Michael. If I work 10 hours every week overtime, I get $15 an hour. 10 times 15 is $100 a week. Yeah. Well, 10 times 15 is $150 a week. And you're going to multiply that out by 52 weeks and go, I could get paid overtime if I was on hourly pay. So 150 times 52 weeks. Hey, wait a minute. That's $7,500 
because you got 50 times 150. So 50 times 50 is 250. 50 times the 1 is carry. All right. So, wait a minute, Michael. You're telling me, yeah, I'm telling you that if you worked on hourly and you chose to work that many hours, you would make more than the required hours for the guaranteed salary. Part of the advantage of having people on salary is when you can get them to work 50 plus hours a week. Then you don't have to pay them overtime anymore. And they don't necessarily acquire or come in with more vacation or benefits otherwise than the people below them. Now you could look at that and go, my, my bonus is so much bigger. But your time is tied up. Your work-life balance is tremendously different. Are you using that money to pay for like better help or a personal counselor or physical fitness? or What are you doing to balance out your work-life? that is now thrown all out of whack because you decide you're going to work 50 hours a week on salary. And I had to think about that in terms of distance for myself as kind of a, you know, I, I always try to come up with a question. What is the thing that you can't walk away from? What are you, what are you going to boil it down and base it on? You know, I have had positions where I was offered X number of dollars and I just looked at it and said, I can't turn that down because I don't. Over the course of time, I'll never be able to duplicate that. You know, I, I won't be able to jump in yearly pay up to that point for a long period of time. So this is a once in a lifetime chance to leapfrog over what it would take five years to make. So I'm going to take this promotion or switch positions or whatever it might be. And when you look at taking a salary position with any company. It comes with a, a tremendous amount of respect on your resume and otherwise because then other companies look at you and go, that, 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 here's the guy, he can do the salary job, he's in this position, he's rocking and rolling. Okay, It's a lot like going to college. So when you go to college, having a degree means that a company can look at you and say, we can teach this person a curriculum and they can regurgitate it, they can repeat it, they can answer questions and retain information based on the curriculum or the training that we give them. You can go to English class, learn these things, take these tests, and give the right answers. So we can teach you regulations and rules, and then when they come up for situations where you have to practice them, you will have them in your mind. That's how companies look at it. It's not because you paid more money. It's not a, an arbitrary thing. You literally have just proved that you can go through the process of learning and then repeating or answering questions based on the information that was embedded into you that you are a person who can train and then use functionally the information that was as part of your um, onboarding process and in college your onboarding process is the the equivalent would be all four years six years eight years whatever you're doing so i looked at you know things and said well you know there's this big offer on the table but you know, I really like my time. <laughs> I spend 40 to 40 hours, 45 hours, sometimes a little more. But that those days off and not having to travel much and, God, that's just. How is that even a debate? Well, here's how it came about. 
I am 41 and doing intensely physical labor is a matter of respect or pride or something like that for me. I don't have any, any issue with it, right? It's something I hang my hat on. It keeps me on my toes. It also is something that I have a hard time feeling many nights in my toes. And it could be from the immense amount of Dr. Pepper or otherwise products that I consume that have sugar or things like that in them. Because, you know, I can tell when the body is dragging and it's having a hard time with all that traffic jam of high glucose or, you know, the sugars are probably slowing my blood down. I don't know that I have, you know, the best blood work or circulation in the world, but I'm certainly not helping it by packing all of my insides full of these processed uh, sugars. So one of the things that I put on the table when it came to the salary versus the other position was the amount of being able to regulate or observe things and go, hey, I won't have to be taking that many tens of thousands of steps a night or move tens of thousands of pounds of things by hand. I've literally, you know, over the last year or so, run into situations where I'm unloading a trailer by hand, throwing the things onto a conveyor belt. Well, I'm looking at the bill of lading. It says the truck weighs 30,000 pounds. Now, we move some of it with the forklift, but no, we're moving a lot of it by hand. Thousands and thousands of pounds. So, it's a matter of masculinity, maybe, in some ways. I don't know. But, you know, when somebody comes to the table and says, what if you didn't have to work like that? And you could wear nice pants and a collared shirt, and you'll be the boss. And I'll say, well, it's something to consider. Where would I be the boss? How far away? What am I trading off? And that's kind of where I, I took things. And, and I, after speaking to a lot of other folks who said I would never commute that far, I thought, you know, what if I just bought a place closer to them? And I had a woman say to me, and who means a lot to me, say to me, you know, Michael, you could have such amazing relationships with people, with a, a significant other, with a female, with other, as effortlessly as more than you could ever imagine it would be just so easy for you if you didn't work so hard and it wasn't all about you know work and i thought you know i get away from work three and a half days a week i don't try not to think about it talk about it whatever i'm telling the story here but like it's not on my radar so that was interesting feedback to me, but it was, I understood maybe part of the many angles that you could be approaching that and say, oh, Michael cares more about his work. He's willing to move for his work. He's willing to work all these different shifts or hours or whatever to pursue them, something professionally that he doesn't need. Like, you don't need to make that much money. You don't need to be driving that far. It's just a, you know, this is like a thing that you're willing to take a little risk and to to jump in like head first and think to yourself wow i'm going to be successful at this it's you know it may be lucrative it may be whatever in terms of money but 
it won't be an issue for me. I can just do it. And then, you know, you have a woman who comes along, a partner who comes along and says, hey, here's a difficult situation. And you're like, I don't know if I can handle that. They go, wait a minute. Now you're willing to drive hundreds of hours a year. And yet, you can't do these simple things. These not so time or uh, consuming tasks for your relationship and your potential family situation. And what does that mean? Why do you choose the the occupational? You'll do that for, but not the familial, not the personal. So why are you choosing work over family when it comes to being able to do any of those things? And that is a a very fair and reasonable question. I don't know the absolute, you know, if I said I'm going to write, you know, a small list of all the reasons and why it makes sense to me. I don't have a completed list like that, but off the top of my head, it would involve that I've been able to be somewhat generous to some of the people around me whether it's to buy food for my cruise or to do a good Christmas, you know, I, I highly recommend, I'll endorse that right here on the podcast, that, you know, Adobe has an amazing creator's workshop. I can't remember the name of it. They have a, an Adobe complete package that's, um, if you're a student, it's $20 a month. If not, I think it's more, but... Uh, it's a maybe it's Adobe Creator Studio, but it's it's a comprehensive subscription that gives you access to all the programs. And I made sure that my daughter had that because she does a bunch of digital art. And she was at a point. Her mother explained to me, "Hey, she's reached the limits of what the free apps and the free technology will do for her. She'd really like to have the Adobe, you know, the workers." the Photoshopping and all this kind of, all those programs are in there together. And she would like to have these programs, their professional programs. Well, you can't buy them anymore. You have to sign up for a subscription to them. So I took a bank of money. And uh, I don't mean like a literal, like, I went down to the local branch and took all their money. No, I took and... Um, did the math on what it would take to pay for it for a year or two or whatever I gave her, um, and then sent that money to uh, her mom and said, here is this money. So that'll be a little like a, it's like kind of like a piggy bank kind of thing. I said, just hold on to that money and or put, it, put it wherever you put it, and then it'll auto-draft um, for her to have that. And if it works out, I'll, I'll renew it for her next year. But I... Uh, I enjoy being able to do things like that for people. It's part of why I have worked so hard or been, you know, a pain in the butt when it comes to negotiating what I'm willing to accept as compensation from a company. And I, I mean, leaning to my rate by the hour kind of thing. So I don't think that I've ever been accused of, like, not giving them their money's worth. Maybe giving them too much <laughs> but I think that those are wonderful uh, 
events in my life that I could hang my hat on. You know, you work for this long and you have you build this kind of uh, reputation or relationships or whatever, and they are out there. And that could be one of the factors as to whether or not you're willing to move jobs or otherwise. But that travel time, the time thing for me, like Nick said, you know, you know, time is the most important thing. You you would give up money for time. And I thought, oh, well, wait a minute. Now that's true in reverse, isn't it? I would be giving up you know, their salary offer X, Y, Z to keep more time. Because if I work closer to home where I already work, if I don't do any, you know, shape shifting or moving or anything, then I gain the time for the travel, for the, you know, 48 hours a week that they're wanting, you know, that's salaries. It could be more. So here's where we are. I don't, have any problem understanding what my brother said, or at least what my father has allegedly, this hearsay that my father gave me that he says, you know, that my brother told him that, you know, time is, is something that's, you know, the most important thing. You pay a little extra to have your own, you know, slice of, of time. And I'm thinking, yeah, you give up a little money on what might have been a good salary job, salary offer, and who knows what legs that has for the future, just so that you have extra time and you're not commuting, you know, your life away. Because those would be, if they're already 12-hour work days and you're going to drive 90 minutes, you've now got 14 hours before traffic involved in these shifts. And that's, uh, that's a lot, right? Because the day's only 24 hours. So if you sleep like you're supposed to and get a meal or two in, you're, you pretty much packed out. Anyway, we're going to take us another break. I appreciate you listening to my ramblings here on Michael L. Craver Presents. This is 100% fresh beef. With two slices of melted cheese, pickles, onions, ketchup, and mustard. This is a burger that strongly suggests you take a seat. It marks its territory, leaving behind a graveyard of napkins and can't, no, won't be contained by humble sesame seed bun. This is the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Quarter Pounder with you, good God. That is the way to do it right there. Get you a nice Quarter Pounder. I might I might have to stop this podcast just to drive out and get some of this food listening to these. The advertisements. Um, matter of fact, I, I think I'm going to. I will be back. Well, I'm frustrated, outdated. I really want to be overrated. I'm a finder and I'm a keeper. I'm not a loser. And Here, there's no way back. Bang your head. Metal 
telling you. Anybody who thought I was kidding gave you a little quiet riot while I ran off and used the app to do the buy one, get one for the... This is so good. This is the quarter pounder with cheese. And in this box, to my right, is the Big Mac. And um, this was a great choice. It's $5 for both. That's not exactly buy one, get one free on the prices I grew up with. But, um, you know, not a bad gig in the middle of a podcast. Give me a... Just wanted to be spontaneous, I suppose. But um, it's just one of those things. Um, you need some refueling. And um, if you're out there and you're, you're traveling around and you're listening to me, uh, I recommend going to wherever your favorite place is, snatching something up. Whatever you got a craving for. Grab it, put your lips around it, enjoy it. Well, I, yeah, that was probably questionable. Grab the food that is your favorite. Wrap your lips around that and enjoy it. Anthony, yeah, crazy. Um, I tell you, it's been an interesting fall, and just thinking about. <laughs> All of these kinds of decisions where you you start getting old and you you think, well, I'm, I'm the best I'm the best partner that I've ever been. Well, I'm, I I don't know. I'm not as relationship oriented as I used to be. I bring the probably the best traits that you would want out of someone into a household, and yet I really enjoy my space or um, peace and quiet and all that kind of stuff. So um, I just you know. It's one of those things where I think that it's important that you sit back and you go, well, is it my priority to have a partnership and be with someone? I was speaking with my mother at great length about you know my job, and she said, well, how do you feel about this offer, that offer, the other? And I said, you know. I don't like the idea of switching teams. I don't know, it just doesn't, you know what I mean? I have a lot of friends where I'm at, and so maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. Why don't I try to make it a more perfect existence where I'm at, like find the best winter gloves for the job that I'm in are the best footwear. You're working on concrete floors and driving equipment and all the stuff that you're doing, right? So I dug into some of that research and it came back that, and I don't know how much of this is scientifically tested, like consumer reports or, you know, peer reviewed. It's not the the American, uh, medical journals or anything like that but a lot of the recommendations were that um, you would go for 
these upper level sort of running, uh, I guess the Adidas ones are called like, is it Dynaboost? And the ones from Nike were these Terra Vista. Brooks was a highly recommended brand. If you went with boots, it was this immense discussion of why you would pay more for Wolverine or Carolina or otherwise these top uh, price work boots, but that they last 15 or 20 years once you do a little bit of maintenance in between. You might wear them down in terms of the rubber soles, but the boot part, the, the leather and lacing and otherwise would last you know, virtually a decade to two to three decades, depending on, and you would need to possibly have them uh, operated on, maintained. They might need a new sole. Not like they got corrupted. I know what you're thinking. You're like, a new sole? Are they going to do battle with Shang Tsung? No, this is not like Mortal Kombat where they're going to, your soul is mine. It's not like one of those. You uh, You wear out the rubber. It's just like getting new tires for your car, so you have to have somebody put a new um It's like when you tweak or when you twink things, you put a new bottom on it. Take that, Fuente. Um I just I end up with uh a lot of these, you know, I spent a deep dive into this price comparison and what would it cost to have the best of this, or what's the the best trade off, right? The economical thing, like my brother would tell you, the the best sometimes means what gives you the most time, and being comfortable, obviously, is one of those things that could, when you, if you're ultimately talking about time, like prolonging your life and that kind of stuff, maybe you do the job in a way that's a little safer or a little less intense on whatever it might be in your body. Maybe you plan your meals around, you know, the before and the middle of a night shift so that you're not eating right before you go to bed. Because that's something that, you know, medical people have always uh, advised against. There's little things like that. Um, Those are the things that can really make such a big difference in your overall atmosphere because when I looked up a lot of different things about what the CDC or (laughs) studies at Harvard or otherwise have said about working third ship like I do they are not in favor of it it's very and it's easy to understand right so your circadian rhythm your sleep patterns are off your relationships with other people dictate that you are up sporadic hours that you don't ever always have a regular sleep pattern But even if you could, we're going to go over to the evolution of the human body, right? So you're eating and doing things at hours that the body has not evolved into. So your glucose levels, your metabolism, your cholesterol, all these things are thrown off because your body is designed to process them in combination with daytime physical activity coupled with the vitamin D and the other things that come out when you're awake during those daylight hours. And those are not nutrients, those are not pieces of the world around you that are even available at night. So it's colder, it's not as warm, you don't have the sun, 
there's a lot going on there that's just the the basics. You, you may look at it and think it's, oh, that's not the same. Uh, yeah, if you're underneath artificial light all night long and inside of HVAC systems instead of getting fresh air, it's a completely different world. And your body is part of this journey that the human species is on up until this point. And they're designed that way. And it don't, the evolution and your system itself will not adjust that fast so a lot of things that are going to compromise your long-term you know health etc etc it's just odd you know um we don't think about those things whenever we put together the description of Let's say the minimum qualifications for a job or we're listing, you know, your duties will be to stay up third shift and do some wild stuff that people on daytime may or may not do. You know, I almost feel like they should put a disclaimer on those positions and applications and so forth that... are very, you know, must be willing to work in, you know, these conditions. And the world is a different place at night. That's why certain animals, you know, do what they do and others don't. That's why it's taboo. In the old days, beyond the woods at night, you know, creatures at night, creatures of the night. Nosferatu. You know, the vampires and werewolves and everything else come out at night. Not during the day. That's when the good stuff happens. Well, I mean, part of that's not just a myth. It's it's an animation that exaggerates, you know, daytime is healthier for you. But, there's more to it than you might think. And if you've thought of all those things and you want to do it anyway, because it's, it's more money or something to get ahead, well, just, just remember there's a trade-off. Whether it's through a relationship that you may have with other people, or your health, or otherwise, it's a trade-off. And so, you'll end up with that money, but there is a certain maintenance cost that goes along with it in the long run, where some of that money is going to go but right back into the hands of people who sell you know, pain medication, or therapy you might need, or otherwise primary care physician or specialist visits in the long run because those are the side effects from, from working at night. I think there's a lot of willful ignorance when it comes to those things about our working environments. Maybe the people who work in the coal mines and work around concrete and paving roads and everything else know what's really going on in the air around them and they are willing to work hard get paid more and die because of all that stuff in their lungs that it's a gamble they're willing to take i often take the notion that people have no idea that the risks like that are all around them and it would be news to them 
What, the drinking water downstream from the factory might be cancerous? <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what they're putting in the town above you. That's what's going to be in the groundwater, et cetera, et cetera. Any way around it. Not the factory in my town. <laughs> okay. What are the new settlements? Like $10 billion, that, you know, the, the newest, highest, and the record things that are happening from these forever chemicals and things where... Uh, I want to tell you it's DuPont, but I don't think that's right. I thought a health system or somebody. Is that who it is? It was Bayer? Bayer that owns the aspirin, the pharmaceutical company, bought... Um, it's a conglomerate because it's not just Monsanto, but they had other people. And, and so anybody who's suing you know, Monsanto because of Roundup and all these other just insanely cancerous things, that are, they've changed the world. Uh, now they are finally reaching a point in the litigation process where verdicts and, and settlements are necessary. They're coming down the pipe. So uh, the people who were shareholders in that company were like, why would you buy this company? Because they thought it would be super profitable. And that's the gamble, right? That you can settle with the people you harm for less than the profits you made. That's why the pharmaceutical companies do this reckless uh, kind of stuff with the drugs. Oh, you mean if I stop taking this drug, I want to kill everybody? Yeah, that's why it's called a psychoactive drug. And when you stop taking it, you might lose control. You might hurt yourself or other people. It causes you to be suicidal. You take other people with you. That's proven. I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't worry when I'm doing a podcast about getting sued about things like this. Why? Because they've already been sued and they've paid the largest settlements in history because we all know what I'm saying lines up with what the courts have found and the medical profession has found. It's a shame, but that's what happens if you quit the drugs. So that much different than... Uh, Heroin, opioids, cocaine, or otherwise, uh, it ain't that different. They're able to get it through and have it sold on the market, whether it's with prescription or whether it's over the counter. That's not something the folks who bring us the wild coca plants uh, have been able to make happen. Now, marijuana was... It's too much love from the hippies and the congressmen's kids and the people who grew up to get into Congress and everything else that they, they've let marijuana slide. And many people think you should let everything slide. All drugs should be legal. Personal responsibility. You can do what you want to your own body. Well, I'm not diving into that. But what I am saying is that there's a tremendous amount of industry, and whether it's the automotive industry or otherwise, you buy a car... I can't believe how much cars cost. They build in the cost of a recall into that so that when you run into trouble, they can recall everybody's car and fix it and not lose their ass. That's what that is. That's why you pay what you pay for a TV. You're paying for the replacement, whatever the warranty is, how weak that product is. Part of the trade-off. If you don't know that, <laughs> step back and look at it for a minute. Why is this not like, you know, blatantly obvious to, to every person? 
Island. But I got to wear my jacket, got to eat some delicious food. I'm in the middle of... I think I've made a decision as far as what I'm going to do on the in the private sector, on the professional side. And I was looking at my list of things. There were possible topics for this contract, um, this, I'm sorry, podcast contract. This contract I'm making with you folks out there uh, that... You know, it's a combination of things when you start talking about jobs like that. You know, how does it affect your your family, where you want to live? And I did. I went around like streamlining, or the, I like the term thinning the herd, but I they also like the term streamlining, where I'm going around and I'm finding, you know, the things around the house that don't belong. I don't want to pack this up and move it. I don't need that. It's an excellent donation, or you know, it, it it's not coming with me. It took me a very short amount of time to do that. I don't own a lot of stuff. And over the last few years, I've really, anything that's that's going to be added to, to my life is higher quality, lower quantity. So I have less things, but I appreciate them more. Maybe, you know, chicken before the egg with those two things, but I like having to, to maintain fewer things, and it gives me more space. All the shelves aren't filled up and everything else, so... It's been a, an excellent decision and way of life. I also would say that it's been quite interesting to go back and, oh man, look, I had, you know, I bought these tools and got a gadget or, man, I own like 45 jackets. Do I need all 45 jackets? <laughs> Answers you probably need two. You need a winter coat and a regular coat. But I ain't treated that way. And so, you know, I, I've come to a point in my life where when I am making these decisions as to whether or not I'm going to change occupations or how far I'm going to drive, whatever it might be, it just creates this like spring cleaning it activates as a catalyst for this thing in my genetics to start diving, you know, head first into, uh, I suppose you would say it's a reevaluation of my possessions or, you know, why did I ever get into collecting a certain, you know, genre of things and and that sort of mindset so in a way it's it's just really healthy because i'm reevaluating it not all the time but maybe every six months something comes along professionally that's a pretty good time frame when it comes to you know are you are you happy in your job are you learning are you reaching goals are you still on the same path with the same vision or do you need to be speaking to somebody else? Do you need to be pursuing something else outside of work? Whether that might be an educational goal or a hobby, a class, a trade that you want to be able to do for profit or not. But knowing that you still have the ability to learn and practice and do things by itself is is a very 
spiritually reinforcing kind of thing. God, I didn't think I could do that. I didn't, didn't know about that. That feels good. That's excellent. Now, being rewarded at work or bringing home a little more money or having, you know, maybe a better schedule or whatever you might have upgraded. That's a step in the direction of a more preferable work-life balance. But many people just, they, they look at it as blindly as possible. I had someone who was very high on the food chain where I work tell me that night shift and day shift were the same, 40 hours. You just sleep at different times. One of them you sleep during the night, and one of them you sleep during the day. And I thought, is this Las Vegas? Because I don't know where this 24-hour city is that you could do the same things at night that you can do during the day. And I certainly don't know where you can get the same vitamin D or otherwise energy and heat and everything else from the moon that you could get from the sun. These are two completely different environments. That's like me telling you that going fishing is going fishing. It doesn't matter if you're drilling a hole in the ice in Alaska or standing on a nice beach at the edge of North Carolina. Very different things. It doesn't even make sense. Like, there's nobody who hears a sentence like that and is just numb to it. It get automatically wakes you up to like, wow, like, what's the old... Anthony, help me out with this. John will know it. Um, the old George Carlin. Maybe he's making a little bit of sense. Ah! He's full of shit! <laughs> he's full of shit. <laughs> then there are some people, they're not stupid... They're full of shit. <laughs> uh, that doesn't take very long to spot either, does it? Take you about the same amount of time. You'll be listening to some guy and say, well, he's fairly intelligent. Ah, he's full of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so... You know, I, <laughs> I'm i just taken aback by many of these, these things that happen nowadays where like people feel like they're entitled to their own facts or, or something of that nature. And it just drives me wild to think about those things because I cannot wrap my head around like this new world where there are people who seemingly it's like they live an existence of being undefeated and having a point or a counterpoint or an argument or ever being wrong you know it's that's their i don't know their, their internal claim to fame nobody else recognizes this this is like having 58 boxing organizations. I'm the world champion. W-O-O-B-C-I-P-A-Q-R-T. Okay. Well, the world recognizes, it like wrestling, the world recognizes the WWE. Now, where I wrestled, <laughs> not quite the same recognition. So, when you are, you know, undefeated in your, in your 
mental apparatus and you view it as having this immaculate record in your own federation. That literally is how you become a legend in your own mind. But nobody else even considers this because there's no witnesses, there's no history, there's no official. This is not the Guinness Book of World Records or anything else. This is just you saying, you know, these are my thoughts or feelings, and they're wrong. I mean, they're not factually in line with anything or in line with any facts. They're not um, substantiated by anything. And it's a shame that so much of the world is like that now, that you run into, like I was saying in the opening segment, I feel that you, well, you know, the intent of what the author is saying is tremendously important. And as someone who has a podcast, who does a lot of writing and otherwise, it's extremely important to me that if someone wants care, I'm sorry, clarity about something, instead of a character assassination on, you know, here's what he's saying, nobody asked me. I would know what I was saying. I'm the author. I know what my intent was. I can tell you where it came from, give you all the details behind it. But you're asking me what's in the secret recipe, and you just assume, well, you got the recipe wrong. doesn't mean that whatever your version of that is becomes the definition and the makeup of my secret recipe. It's mine. If you want to know what's in it, I'll tell you. You can ask me. Otherwise, you're just guessing, and... Far and above the you know, statistical probability is that you're wrong. And it's a shame because people have the ability to do some research and ask and find some understanding. There's you know respect for the person you're asking and so forth. Now it's, just, it's a world full of disrespect and people speak for you. And what a shame it is, right? But uh, I am going to wrap up. I'm, I've already I've had a long stretch away from work. We had a long stretch last week for Thanksgiving. Had some great conversations. I sat down with my grandfather. He's 93. I said I looked from what I was finishing a second plate at the time, and uh, I'm looking past my past Colt, my 17 year old, and I can see in the next room. My grandfather's sitting at the head of the table by himself. Everybody else has finished their meal. They've got up and gone on. He was eating, as, as my grandmother will do, once everybody else has eaten, then they'll eat to be a gracious host. And I said, I, he is not eating by himself. And I just got up and stopped what I was doing, talking to like three different people in three different directions, and walked in there, and we talked about different things with engineering. He had been going to the chiropractor, and he was telling me all about the wicked <laughs> notions people have of the chiropractic field and acupuncture and, and different things he'd experimented with. And he said, here's what worked, here's what didn't work, here's, you know, still a lot to be determined. And it was just interesting to hear him say that because he's 93 and to hear that somebody's going in and, like, popping his bones around is, uh, man, that's something else. That's something else. You'd think his stuff would just... You know, you go crack his arm and just fall off like vampire in Brooklyn. But uh, no, no, that's not the experience he had. And so I, I had a great holiday and a great time away from work this time. So um, we're going to see if we can't follow my 
star charts that I was trying to put together with my mom and say, yes, here is, here's what I'd like to improve this week or next week. And I'm going to sit down, a, I have a notepad sitting by the door and uh, take it with me, take a few notes. Here's the thing. Here's how we're going to make the world a little more perfect, a little less waste, a little more fun. So that's all we can hope for. Hope you guys are having a great time out there, that you had a great Thanksgiving, and you're looking forward to a good Christmas. Uh, Based on the regularity of my recording, I would say that I will not speak to you again before Christmas, but um, who knows? Things change. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of wherever you're going and whatever day you're on. I appreciate you listening to me. As always, if you have questions, comments, concerns, feedback, those of you who've, who have ways to reach out to me, do that. If you want to you know, email in a, a question or otherwise, CraverMichaelL at gmail.com. And uh, safe travels. See you on the other side. Personality, the cult of personality.